Welcome back to The Good Play, a podcast normally about NBC's The Good Place. My name is Brianna, and with me on the line, she just won a prestigious science award and will be presented with it by Will Smith at her graduation. It's my sister, Marissa. I don't know what this movie is or who it's for, but I think I'm here for it. That makes one of us. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back, everybody. So while The Good Place is on hiatus, we are looking at other shows and movies and and properties that are related to The Good Place in some way. June is Ted Danson equals Terrific Dude Month, so we are watching other shows and movies starring him, with the exception of last week when we talked about The Incredibles. Incredibles 2. But we're back with uh, Ted Danson Month with this... I guess we'll call it a movie called Made in America. <laughs> you don't get to steal Jason Manzukis <laughs> snark from How Did This Get Made? I That's all I aspire to do in my life. Before we get started, because I have a feeling we'll have a lot to say, I just want to do some housekeeping up front. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and at goodplay.cast.rocks. If you can, please rate and review us on iTunes. You can follow and like us on Facebook uh, at The Good Play, Twitter at The Good Play Pod, and Gmail. You can send us an email at thegoodplaypod at gmail.com. And we actually got like a legit fan email. It was the sweetest thing. It was the best thing ever. I was, I like, was like fanning my face like a Southern Belle. <laughs> I was like, somebody actually listens to us who's not related to us. That's amazing. <laughs> So thank you. It was Mitch, right? Your name is Mitch. Yeah, we we will. I well, I guess we'll read parts of it later because yeah. there, there's like a substantive suggestion in there that I think is legit that we kind of have to talk about. Yeah. And also at the end of the episode, we will talk about and we we neglected to do this last week. They they release information. The the showrunner of the Good Place release information about like oh what's, yes what's really happening in the season two finale. So we will talk about that at the end of the episode. Mind blown. But first, let's talk about. Made in America. <laughs> Guys, I'm I am fresh off of this movie as of a half hour ago. And uh, I watched it on I think I watched it on Monday. Yeah. Um, T- Tuesday, maybe. Whatever. So can I just give the synopsis, like the very brief synopsis yeah, that's on netflix it's, it, yeah it's so it's on netflix you guys so you if you have netflix you should go watch this. definitely don't <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna be we're gonna be a podcast divided today my friends i'm not that into it i just think you're giving it too hard a time okay <laughs> so, anyway so the synopsis on netflix is a black teenager's world is turned upside down when she learns that she was conceived through artificial insemination and her biological dad is white Interesting premise. Yes. Yes. Interesting premise. Especially when that white biological dad is Ted Danson. Ted Danson. Terrific dude. So can I give some context? Uh, the, the yes. Year, the year is 1993. Yes. Ted Danson is married to his second wife with whom he has a couple kids. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg is a... I don't remember if she's single or married. And uh, it's nineteen. It's very nineteen ninety three in this movie. <laughs> There's a lot it is of like, like it is. It is like the real life. I have this in the discussion, but it is like the real life version of the Bruno Bruno Mars finesse video. It's like that is exactly. It's like a time capsule. It is 
1993, it is uh, Whoopi Goldberg is Between Sister Acts 1 and 2, which, believe it or not, came out 18 months apart. Can you imagine? <laughs> I mean, can we just get a sister act every 18 months? Because I love those movies. Oh, yeah, that would be great. Um, recall also the sister act was originally not supposed to star a black woman. It was supposed to star, I think, Bette Midler Bette or Midler. something. Yeah, it was supposed to be a Jew in a convent. Right. Uh, but that's another sidetrack. Uh, yeah. Ted Danson is is just coasting towards the end of Cheers, I believe. So these are two stars, top of their game, basically, right? These mm-hmm. are these are A-listers at mm-hmm. this point in time. Mm-hmm. What actually ends up happening over the course of this movie is that Ted Danson, who is married to his second wife, ends up falling in love with Whoopi Goldberg. And the two of them... This is in real life. This is this not... This is in real life. <laughs> yeah. The two of them date for a while, allegedly, according to, like, tabloids or whatever, the bloids, as we like to call them, allegedly Ted Danson's parents made him break up with her, which is just sort of gross. I didn't know that. And he was, like, a grown man, so I don't know about that. And then, on his, like, very next movie, which is called Pontiac Moon... Which is, the, which is, it looks way worse than this movie. Yeah, I mean, if we you are been like, definitely not watching that one. If you had been like, let's watch, I'd be like, you're doing this podcast on your own. <laughs> it's I me rambling into a mic half drunk. It, Pontiac Moon, I will give you the basic idea of what Pontiac Moon is because you, you, I heard the, the title and I thought, oh, is this like Paper Moon? You know, that, you know, that, that lovely sentimental sort of movie about, uh, you know, being in show business. No, Pontiac Moon is about uh, a, a crazed sort of, um, uh, dead poet society type teacher who takes his son on a journey in their Pontiac so they can, the odometer can reach the number of miles it takes to get to the moon at the same time that the Apollo 11 astronauts touch down on the moon. And also his wife and his son's mother is an agoraphobic woman who hasn't left the house in, I think they say 11 years. But when the her husband and son leave on this Pontiac moon trip. I wish she, you could see she, she sets foot outside her house for the first time and chases them down in a different car. It looks so bad and so lacking in understanding of what agoraphobia is. It's, it's, and, and, sorry, I didn't get to the best part. That's Mary Steenburgen. That's his third slash current wife. So every movie Ted Danson is making, he's meeting another girlfriend or wife. He is, he is kind of horn dogging it up in the early nineties. You know what? You know, the, the myth, the man, the legend, Sam Malone. I get it. I get it. I get it. I'm sorry. You you get it very viscerally, (laughs) but we're going to, we're going to, Push off all thoughts, at least for now, of Mary Steenburgen and Pontiac Moon. We're definitely not watching Pontiac Moon. No, no, we're definitely not doing that. But you forgot to mention the other people in this movie. Or were you getting to that? this movie, Made in America. I was going to say, putting putting aside the trajectory of Ted Danson's love life. Yes. Let's talk about Made in America. So we have Ted Danson, Whoopi Goldberg, and now please continue. Um, We have one Will Smith. From West Philadelphia. The Fresh Prince himself is in this movie. And this is like, I think, in the middle of Fresh Prince. This is during Fresh Prince. He's very, very, very Fresh Prince in this movie. He actually made me laugh like more than anybody else. He was, 
He's sort he of was, the ducky of this movie. He is, which makes me a little uncomfortable, but it's fine. He's not cre- he's not super creepy about it. He has a couple creepy moments, but um, yeah, he's kind of the ducky of this movie. But he was, you know, he's very Fresh Prince in it up, wearing. I think he just took his wardrobe from the Fresh Prince set. It was oh like, yeah, they're like, can we save? You know. A hundred bucks. If yeah, you just like he's like, I've got everything clothes. you need. It's just day glow, like African inspired. It's just ridiculous. And then we have the princess, now queen herself, Nia Long. Nineties so, Nia Long. She's so beautiful. I can't even. She's so beautiful. Nia Long is a queen. She and Tahani could have a beauty off. Oh my god! I would let. <laughs> can we get? Can we petition uh, the good place to get Nia Long in as like someone, anyone? I don't care. She and Ted Dan- What if she and Ted Danson are like buds from this movie? It's anything is possible. We could hook it up. We could try. Yeah. So '90s Nia Long. This is actually so Nia Long ends up on Fresh Prince of Bel Air in the fifth season, and actually as plays Will Smith's girlfriend. Will Smith's like very serious. They almost get married. Very very serious girlfriend. But this was before that by a couple of years. Yes. So they're just, you know, they're just sort of friends. And maybe somebody in the Fresh Prince casting department was like, oh, these two seem to have chemistry. Let's, uh, let's, let's hook that up. So there aren't really any other stars in this movie. It's, it's no. like the four people in the main cast are like A-listers. And then everyone else I have never seen before. Oh, no, that's not true. Ted Danson's girlfriend at the beginning of this movie is Jennifer Tilly, who... who? Okay. I ha- anyway, continue. <laughs> nope. I'm not going to get She's like a, she's a, she's a known entity. She's not she's by no means an A-lister. And not that's a, not meant to be an insult. She's just, you know, she's a working actress, but she's not she doesn't have household, you know, name recognition. So so how I described her is uh, if any of our listeners are Twin Peaks fans, I sort of described her as like she was a Twin Peaks character that went to the wrong set. Because she just is, like, so bizarre. I don't know what movie she was in. Like, she was just so... I think it was another one of those directorial choices that we're going to have to talk about. Yeah, we have so many of those to talk about. She's yeah, like yeah. We're Sandy gonna have to sort from of L.A. Rush, story. We're going to have to sort of rush through the synopsis, I think, because there's so much to discuss. But other than... So so there's the four A-listers and there's Jennifer Tilly. And then the, the rest of the cast is a wasteland. You've never heard of any of these people. You've never seen them before or since. No. There are there are also are not that many other people that even have speaking roles in the movie. That that's true. That's true. But sometimes in these movies you see like a young so and so like oh they're just breaking in like there's nothing like that right. in this movie. Right. So, okay. Let's let's do the plot as fast as we can although there's a lot of twists and turns. <laughs> so, let, let's I mean just... there's two. There's really just two. <laughs> oh, all right. So the main characters are this. So Whoopi Goldberg's name is Sarah, right? Mm-hmm. So Sarah is, she owns an Afrocentric bookstore. I actually took a, I took a, a wiki rabbit hole and I read a lot about Afrocentrism in preparation for this podcast. Oh my God. You I did research? I don't think we're going to get into you it. You did I actually, research for this I had a professor. Movie? I had a professor at Brandeis who, whose article about Afrocentrism is actually linked in the Wikipedia I would rather read that article than watch <laughs> this movie. It's very good. He was an excellent professor. Ibrahim Sundiata. Look him up. So anyway, she owns an Afrocentric bookstore. It actually is a plot point, right? Because of the sort of the comedy bit that happens midway through with the old white ladies. I actually did very that much enjoy that. super funny. <laughs> so she, she's, she's one of the main characters. Her daughter 
is oh my god i forgot nia lung's actual zora name the zora oh of course her name is zora right like of course she's zora Neil, it, right yeah. she's named for zora neil hurston in case any of you have not read their eyes were watching god you should definitely do that so that's that's the exact name that an afrocentric bookstore owner would name her daughter right yeah and then there is ted danson aka hal hal bert halbert jackson is that right yeah hal jackson and that's oh and will smith is called tea cake as in let's talk about that for (laughs) conservatively 45 minutes i kept being like this is a nickname and surely at some point Neil Long and Will Smith are going to have a heart-to-heart where he says, you know, I hate that you still call me Tea Cake and, and, and you started calling me that when we were little and doing tea parties and now you should call me, you know, John or whatever his actual name was. Never in the course of the movie do we learn his baptismal name. <laughs> I was like, because I was taking notes as I was watching the movie and when she says his name... I thought she said TK. Like, I thought it was initials. Sure. Uh Initials. And I was like, oh, TK. Like, okay. I'm like, that's, you know. Tom Keith. Sure. Sure. Fine. Whatever. (laughs) And then I look up and I have the subtitles on and it says tea cake. And I was like, I was like, what? (laughs) What is happening here? How Will Smith is at the top of his game. He is like a young star very very popular he looks at the script and he's like what's my character and they're like your character is named tea cake and he was like great i have no problem with that <laughs> what is happening this is just I don't one know. of it, the it many wasn't, it wasn't ever remarked upon no it's just his full-on name <laughs> unless, unless so at the end this ends with at a graduation high school graduation ceremony Unless I missed his name at graduation and... No. No? Mm-hmm. Nope. Okay, great. <laughs> also, why does he get to present the award to her? I'm jumping so well, far ahead. He's her be- they say it's because he's her best friend. I'm, I'm willing to accept, you know, for whatever, for story. <sighs> okay. Anyway, so that those are our those are our characters, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Okay. So Zora and Tea Cake <laughs> yeah, are in high yep. school, are in a rowdy high school biology class together. They do blood typing. Zora learns her blood type is AB. She gets super upset. She goes home... And says, Mom, you are type A, and my allegedly dead, alleged father was type allegedly O. Allegedly dead. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. Allegedly dead, alleged father was type O, so how can I be AB? Uh, open question, who knows the blood type of their dead father? I, I don't know the blood type of my living father, so I, I got nothing. Um, and Sarah, her mom, says... Actually, what happened was my husband, the love of my life, Charlie, died. And then I conceived you with the help of a sperm bank. So, you know, open question as to how she fudged the dates there. But whatever. Fudge the dates on what? Well, if the father dies and then she decides to go get impregnated with a sperm bank sperm, you know, it's not going to be it's going to be more than nine months. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. (laughs) Oh, here we go. She's, I mean, Sarah seems like a real sort of, like a real archivist or, or a real record keeper. And so I assume that she has sort of like the obituary for her husband. So then like, how does she explain that with with Zora's birthday? Questions this movie did not see fit to answer, although they did see fit to answer questions like, how does one film a 10 minute chase sequence with an elephant? Yeah, I don't even. <laughs> so... Zora is really excited that she might have a living father, and Sarah is super not into this line of questioning. 
But um, Zora hatches a plan. Zora is not incidentally, like, extremely smart. And she hatches a plan. She takes tea cake to the sperm bank. <laughs> I will where... never get over that. <laughs> the sperm bank where somehow she knows her sperm was from. I don't know how she knows that. And she does this whole thing where tea cake is going to give a sample of his sperm. Oh boy. Okay. And while he does that, while he's distracting the intake lady with that, she like ninjas into their records room. She full on like CSI Miami's her way into this room. You know, like on CSI, they're like, I'm in. And they're like, just pressing keys. And all of a sudden they have like every bit of information they need. That's exactly what happens. I promise you right now in 1993, it would have been some broke ass Amiga with like a a bespoke database system that she would have never seen in a hundred years. And it would be like only take very particular like command line interface it doesn't matter <clears throat> so it doesn't matter <laughs> you're just, like it matters very much to me but it doesn't matter it doesn't, it doesn't to anyone matter. else <laughs> yeah so she looks up her mother's name in the database and she comes up with the sperm donor's name and social security number for which both is of- like are you for real but i actually think this might be quasi accurate i think that people did not protect their social security numbers that well until more recently but it is kind of nuts and so she gets her sperm her sperm donor dad's uh name and social security number and a couple other things and we see who that sperm donor is it's ted danson he's in the middle of having sex with jennifer tilly what was jennifer tilly's name i i got nothing question mark i just called her sandy is that was that that's uh jennifer or not jennifer that's uh sarah jessica parker's character from la story which reminded me very much of this girl okay i've never seen that so i'm gonna it's really good that's it actually a good movie you should watch (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna call her jennifer tilly so ted danson's life is a wreck this girl is kind of a joke she's sort of ditzy and new agey and he's like eating day old pizza off the floor Ugh. but he, i know it's disgusting and, and but he also lives in this like mega mansion so it's kind of interesting he's like the real version of remember that episode where michael has a existential crisis. crisis yeah and he gets like a hot young girlfriend it's named janet, Jeanette. Yeah. well obviously it's janet but Jeanette, he called <laughs> yeah. her Jeanette. like this is the real life version of midlife crisis michael not as fun as existential crisis michael no he is a little more downbeat not as self-aware yeah yeah so zora shows up looking for her father and he doesn't let her get a word in edgewise he kind of thinks she's cute which is you know (laughs) kind of gross (laughs) and he says you know if you want to keep talking just get in and and they drive to his car dealership he owns a car dealership I'm not going to get into why it's unlikely it would be called Jackson Motors unless his father had owned it because there's complicated things about car dealerships that started back in the early part of the 20th century. I'm already asleep. (laughs) Fine. So as he pulls up, he's like four hours late for a commercial shoot. And he dresses up in this, like, shiny suit with all these, like, spangles on it. And then he tries to get Zora to, like, help him with his fly. And it's very uncomfortable. 90% of this movie is very uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, I don't, I, that was the one part where I was like, no, no, please, no. 
He goes out to shoot this commercial, which is with a bear who is, like, comically ill-trained. You know, the trainer is constantly telling Hal that he has to, like, keep his eyes forward and, like, don't don't look at the bear. And the, and the, the bear trainer is uh, <clears throat> missing an arm. I'm making air okay. quotes, as you can tell. <laughs> I'm going to interrupt you for a hot second here. We have not even gotten to the point here. You gotta it does go up. on. For, I'm sorry. It does go on for a long time. He's not really missing an arm. You can see it's just tucked inside his shirt. So, okay. Well, you think they actually did a cast call for a one-armed <laughs> Okay, yeah. So I'll, I'll, try, I'll try to make this quicker. There's <laughs> just so much here. Basically, Zora yells at him that he's her biological father while he's in the middle of the shoot and he gets mauled by a bear. He gets mauled by a bear. Sorry. <laughs> and he's 100% fine. <laughs> He doesn't take it well. She leaves very sad and upset. She goes home. She tells her mom what she's done. And uh, Sarah is not amused. And she breaks it to Sarah that the sperm donor is white. And there is like a hilarious conversation. That about- actually was kind of funny. They're like, so every fa- who cares? Every black family has, you know, other. No, but first it's like. When you say white, you mean very pale complexion black man who could pass for white. And Zora's like, no, 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 white, white. <laughs> and Whoopi Goldberg is upset. Yeah, yeah. So it, that yeah, is funny. That, yeah. I mean, Whoopi Goldberg as a comedic actress is wonderful. Yeah. I just feel like her talents in this movie are uh, misapplied. <laughs> man, you gotta be so down. All right, so. The next day, Sarah is running the Afrocentric bookstore and two white ladies come in. And this is actually like a really funny joke, how they kind of are looking for wedding books. And then they start reading basically like Marcus Garvey or whatever. (laughs) And they are, and they're super into it. So Sarah goes to Hal's dealership. She locks the white ladies in the (laughs) bookstore when she leaves. Pretty great. And they have like a fight in his office. And his office is surrounded by glass, so everybody already knows what's going on. And then Zora and Tea Cake <laughs> show up, and the grown-ups start drinking. Oh, wait, and- can I back up one second and just yeah. say, on the way there, he's like, oh my god, I can't believe you know, you have a, you're half white, blah blah blah, and he's kind of ragging on her, and she's like, oh, shut up. He goes, you just mad because you're white. And I was like, <laughs> that's like the one line that really made me laugh. <laughs> Uh, we, we find out that Zora wants to go to MIT. Sarah wants her to stay in California and go to Berkeley. And uh, Sarah gets drunk. Apparently she never drinks hard liquor, but she drinks hard liquor in this situation. And she gets drunk and she's... Instantly. Yeah. Well, no, I think she's drinking for a while okay. when, when Tea Cake and <laughs> Zora pull up. And at, at, at this one moment, Zora and Hal uh, crack their knuckles in the same way. And it just like hits... Sarah like a ton of bricks that you know this is really her daughter's father and she because apparently just, that's proof positive of uh, look this shit. is before DNA sequencing what do you want so I, okay <laughs> Sarah tries to uh, bike she bikes everywhere she tries to bike home drunk but it ends up that Hal gives her a ride instead and when they unlock the bookstore the, the old white ladies are still in there and now they're in like Kenta Claw yes and they have just like books by Nikki Giovanni or whatever and and they one of them is like I had no idea what we did to you I'm so sorry that was a real that laugh was funny. come on 
That was, no, that was funny. Uh, Sarah rings them up and is still super surly about them being in her store. And then uh, Hal goes sort of up to use the bathroom and he sees like all these pictures of Zora and the Charlie, the deceased husband. And, you know, he starts getting proud of Zora, I think, you know, like he really, he really seems to start, you know, thinking of her like, you know, this is a kid to be proud of, right? It would be a very different movie if she was like strung out and terrible. (laughs) <laughs> She's like such a good kid that uh, Hal like falls in love with her instantly, basically. Yeah. In a fatherly and... way, in a not creepy way. Yes. Oh, God, yes. Um, and then, you know, Sarah and Hal fight some more. Fight, fight, fight. And, but then Zora goes back to see Hal again. And again, when she shows up, he's shooting another commercial, this time with an elephant. I'm not sure. I think the bear is the more ridiculous sequence in the movie, but the elephant one, I think, goes on longer. It I went mean, on for so long. If they had just, like, excised this stuff from the movie, it might have been kind of like a respectable small comedy, <laughs> you know? That but is the- kind of how I felt. It's uh, like, you kind of made this point that, like, there is a movie in here and it gets lost underneath all the ridiculous gags and, and like, physical comedy and stuff with, like, the giant you know, elephant chase or whatever. And I, I do agree with that to a certain degree. I think there's a, there's like a seed of something here, but the execution is so wacky. Right. So he's like up on top of an elephant and the elephant responds to bells and Whoopi Goldberg comes looking for Zora. I'm sorry. Sarah comes looking for Zora on her bike and she's ringing her bell every moment <laughs> like the bell on her bike. She's ringing it every moment. And so the elephant starts following her and it's like, they're in San Francisco, right? Yeah. Well, she's in her bookstore is in Oakland. Okay. Oh, that makes sense. So the elephant follows her. Wait, I just had a thought. What? This is Oakland in 1993. Yeah. Could this be a shared universe with Black Panther? <laughs> yes. That's the only thing that's going to make this movie <laughs> enjoyable right. for me. So the elephant with Ted Danson still on top of it follows Whoopi Goldberg like through the entire Bay Area to the literal bay. <laughs> and then the elephant like gets in the water and Ted Danson manages to not drown and he like throws he throws Sarah's bike bell into the ocean. <laughs> and uh but then Sarah's like laughing and they kind of end up laughing together and it's kind of sweet. And then he shows up to work the next day. Hal shows up to work the next day and like the place is just packed with people because they all saw him being dragged by an elephant <laughs> on the news. Therefore, they're con- they're coming to buy American cars and trucks from him. <laughs> At a time when I kept thinking like 93 American cars. <laughs> Not a good time to be buying American. Please stick with your Toyota. <laughs> we, we we're at, so this is sort of a pivotal scene in the movie. We're at Sarah and Zora's house. Zora is getting picked up for a date by this guy who works at uh, uh, Hal's dealership. And she's like super dressed up and tea cake and Sarah are like, you know, put something on. And then Hal shows up uh, with presents for Sarah and Zora. And, you know, he tries to act a little bit paternal towards Zora. And then she kind of goes off. And then tea cake, <laughs> you say, <laughs> tea cake is a psychotic episode on the sidewalk sessions away what was that <laughs> what was that i yeah um, he he goes back and forth t- 
talking to himself, having a conversation, having both sides of the conversation. He's obviously being a guy and being a girl, although obviously it kind of comes off as an uncomfortable gay stereotype instead of as a girl. Yeah. I, I, I have nothing else to say about that. I think in my charitable view, it was meant to be, he was sort of like, well, I don't need you because like I've got my own date to go on. But then the girl rejects him. Yeah. Like his own his pretend. own pretend date mm-hmm. and he get into a fight mm-hmm. and she sashays away mm-hmm. as but it's him. Mm-hmm. And no one is like Are you okay? Do you, you need help? <laughs> Where are your parents? <laughs> Literally. Where are his parents? Seriously. <laughs> we, we never know. These kids drive repeatedly from Oakland to San Francisco. I don't know how long of a drive that is, but uh, it looks no, no idea. But it looks like pretty significant to me. Yeah, on on Zora's like scooter, moped or whatever. Yeah. yeah, and they are constantly cutting school. Whatever. <clears throat> so yeah, she's like the valedictorian, and she yes. like, hasn't shown up to class <laughs> in like a week and a half. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure this movie takes place over a week and a half. I think it takes place over like four days. <laughs> <sighs> I was trying to be generous. <laughs> so. Hal and Sarah end up going out to dinner, and it's kind of sweet. You say you feel gross? <laughs> I, f- I feel gross when he starts being like, mmm, I'm going to smell you. I really like your smell. And, and then... It's a, li- yeah, it's a little awkward. I mean, I did kind of have a moment of, of being like, I don't... <laughs> there were parts of it that I was like, this is, this is like a cool romance and there are parts of it that i was like yeah ted danson's kind of a creep he's a creep that's the problem it's like you don't get enough what i kind of had an issue with at this juncture is like you know they go out to dinner and the gag is that he like eats all the wasabi instead of any because he doesn't know how to eat sushi which is fine i mean that's a it's 1993 i buy that yeah it's a fine gag i don't mind that but we never like it's almost like they yada yada over any meaningful connection that these two might have made other than over physical zora yeah. or, or over zora yeah or physical right like so they're like we see them later walking around and it's like they're talking and they're laughing but like i'm like what do these two people have in common the whole point is that they have nothing in common like how what what was the thing other than zora because in my mind that's actually more of a point of contention at this point like, what is the thing that's like, oh, you and I are alike? Like, if, you know, if she had said... Well, they're both small business owners. Right, but they never talk about that. I was like... don't see them talking about it. Which, then they never talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> this was a written script. If, you know, I thought at one point, maybe, like, maybe her business is struggling. You don't, this could so be a Christopher Guest movie. You don't know. If Christopher Guest had shown up in this movie with, like, what's-her-face, Stifler's mom? What's the... Who's the... I don't know, but I know who you're talking about. Um, the, bend, the Bend and Snap lady from Legally Blonde. Yes. I think it's another Jennifer, actually, come to think of it. Jennifer Coolidge. If, like, Christopher Guest and Jennifer Coolidge had, like, been the people in the bookstore. And just, oh, my God. So would, great. That would have been amazing. But, yeah. I mean, so that's the thing, is that I didn't... I, I felt like... This is how I felt after the dinner. I felt like she was like, this was nice, but I'm being polite. And he's like super horn dogging it up. 
That's the that's the read of the situation. I thought she that was kind of playing coy, actually, and that she sort of surprised. She seems to have not had any romantic relationships since the death of her husband. Yeah. And so I think the way I read it was like she was sort of surprised. First of all, she was surprised that she had romantic interest in anybody because she kind of felt like she had closed that chapter of her life. And secondly, she was shocked that the romantic interest she had was this sort of clueless white dude. Yeah. And she was just sort of trying to like come to terms with that inside of her head. But that's never addressed out loud. She's never like, you're what? Like, (laughs) not only do we have this like daughter situation but like you're white and i'm super not and like that's the thing you know that's what i mean i feel like there could have been a movie in here but they sort of gloss over some of this stuff are you recommending people watch save the last dance instead of this movie one thousand times (laughs) yes i love save the last dance i've got my 10.0 gpa oh my god she's got a zora has a 10.0 gpa yes what if zora and derek could like meet each other at college or something that's enough out of you thank you so (laughs) hal and sarah go back better movie universes Mm -hmm. hal and sarah go back to sarah's house and they're like making out and they are about to um have some mommy daddy time when (laughs) what do you what euphemism would you like me to say on this family friendly podcast oh i forgot yeah when zora gets home because the her date has been like gross like super gross so she gets home early yeah she gets home early and she and she comes in the house and she sees like that half the things in the house are now like instead of in their place they are like smashed on the floor yeah because (laughs) it's not that they make out and they're like let's take this to the bedroom it's like they make out and it's like a hurricane (laughs) through the house you know passion sure So, uh, Zora is, has a 10.0 GPA and (laughs) says to her mom, (laughs) says to her mom, like, (laughs) you know, you can't have a relationship with this person who is my biological father because if the two of you break up, then like, what happens to the relationship between me and him? That was the one thing where I was like, that is a good point. Oh, I agree. I was like, that is a super legit point. But her mom does take it to heart. Yeah, for sure. So Sarah goes to Hal's office and says, look, you know, Zora's upset and let's not get involved. And Hal is, gets upset with her. I mean, he tries to talk her sort of logically for a while. And then, although, you know, logically, schmogically. And then they kind of get into it. And then Sarah bicycles away in anger and is instantly hit by a car. I mean, she's all, so the thing about this is like, if they had established her as a very ca- a very careful cyclist <laughs> who always followed the rules of the road, but this one time she was so angry that she, like, crossed against a light, then it would mean something. But it's basically an, just total chance because she bikes like a crazy person 24-7. Yeah. Opening, the entire opening credits of the movie are over a montage of her bicycling in ways that would have you dead seven times in brooklyn by the end of the day yes i agree so and brooklyn and oakland are like not that different yeah Yeah. in terms of driving i don't think they're that that different so yeah so she but she's like hit by a car and she's like sprawling there on the sidewalk or on the road unconscious and it's like oh, oh boy so Zora shows up at Hal's house. It's like nighttime and she doesn't know where she, it's very, I mean, it's very upsetting. Like 
Nia Long's a great actress, right? And and you really feel for her in this moment. She's like, I can't think where else to look. Like, where is my mother? And they somehow find her at the emergency room. And, you know, when they say, oh, you know, she hasn't woken up yet and we've operated on our leg and the next 48 hours are, you know, really crucial. And so Hal stays with Zora sort of at Sarah's side. And then at one point, and I, and in the, I, I can't believe I didn't see where this was going. I really didn't. I, but I, I didn't but either. I, 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 I was like, what are they doing? This is not a thing. But they go to them and they say, at this time, we ask all family members donate blood. And I was like, that's not a thing. You don't ask people who are possibly facing the death of their loved one to donate blood, right? Also, that's- it's not a guarantee that they're going to be the same blood type. No, exactly. I mean, like, none of it made sense. The whole conceit of the movie was that she and her mom weren't the same blood type. If I I had been her, I would have been like, well, it's not going to help you because I'm not a universal donor. Right. But, of course, that's not the point. If you have seven grains of sense, which apparently I don't. I didn't either. It's it's for the one purpose, which is to uh, reveal that Ted Danson's blood type is O, and therefore he cannot be Zora's biological father. And so uh, Sarah does wake up and she's mostly fine. She has this problem with her leg. She's kind of, she's using a crutch at the end of the movie. But he he tells Sarah and Zora that he called the sperm bank and and asked about it. And they're like, oh yeah, well, we sent our paper records off to be digitized to like a foreign country and they mixed up everything, which is. um, He says they had, they put their records on computer disks because it's 1993. It was 1993. I'm just saying computer discs i i mean i had hippo been passed yet maybe not <laughs> i guess hippo was like in the future and maybe it was passed because of this movie <laughs> but uh yeah that seems really crazy 1996 to me. so no yeah oh no i mean it takes years for legislation to become law so hal tells them that zora's real father is a university professor i think or something was at the university at quote unquote at the university yeah we don't know anything we we don't know what his race is right he could be like south indian we have no idea yeah we have no idea and also my thing is like how do you know that he was at worked at the university or went to the university but you don't know his name or anything else about him (laughs) great question (laughs) like he could have been a janitor like at the university (laughs) well maybe maybe they're like oh yeah we had one black donor and we did use it for this thing and we remember that he was uh that's not a good answer i don't no. know so it's been seven i mean it's been 18 years i don't think anybody yeah or it's not the same although that nurse looks like she's 100 years old maybe she's been there the whole time there's a whole thing we haven't even talked about with her <laughs> do so, we have to we don't have to if you don't want to so hal and sarah say goodbye to each other in this very sort of like defeated way and Zora is super sad. And then we flash forward to Zora's graduation, where Tea Cake is giving Zora her Westinghouse scholarship. I guess she she like won a scholarship to like she gets to go to MIT now, which yeah. is great. Which and apparently her mom is fine with that. Yeah, that that, that which we think never is going to be a resolved. bone of contention never even comes up again. No, it's just like oh you're you're going uh, to MIT, great. Also, yeah. I would just like to put in a plug here for the most '90s. Uh, colors of robes and mortarboards for these kids purple and yellow yeah i mean it, it does look kind of like she's all that or something kind of in the yeah same i mean i'm sure vein. it's their it's their I'm school sure colors their yeah. school colors but right. just still the the technicolor lisa mm. frank explosion so 
tea cake is giving the speech and and zora comes up to accept it and she says you know really uh, you know my mom brought me up to respect learning and so i'm gonna ask her up here and then you know poor sarah is like still limping and she like slowly gets up from her seat i'm just thinking if i'm a parent at this graduation and someone else's kid is getting an award i'm like looking at my watch like uh tick tock <laughs> i gotta get home you know the caterers are coming but yeah so sarah is limping up slowly to the stage and then hal appears out of nowhere and he walks her up to this they have like a brief conversation thankfully it was not that long and then he walks her up to the stage where Zora's like, you know, this is my mom, and this is, um, 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 and Hal's like, your dad. <laughs> Zora's like, and my dad! It's like, yay! And, and uh, no one, oh. no one's like, uh, what? <laughs> I've known this family for 18 years, and I've never once seen a father of this. And then the end credits! <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> These, the, the guys who are rapping, the students who are rapping... Look like they are 45 years old. <laughs> and they're rapping about, like, all the pitfalls you better not fall into, including like HIV. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's very, like, faux consciousness-raising rap, but, like, very low quality. And it's amazing. And then, and then our principal characters are, like, dancing to it all through the main ending I credits. cannot abide. Oh, my God. So great. <laughs> I finished the movie. I was like, "Yeah, I think I think that was okay. <laughs> I think that was okay. It was a very pleasant diversion from real life. Let's put it that way, okay? It did not force me to think about anything I didn't want to think about. It wasn't like all the acting was good, you know? Yeah, you know that the script was very uneven. <laughs> the direction was highly questionable." <laughs> But like it was a bunch of good actors doing their best with some weird material, and which is my main question is, and it how? all came down on, the, and it all comes down on the side of like, you know what, just love each other. It's like sure, yeah, I'm into, you know I mean, I'm into just, just love, love each, each other. <laughs> but how did anybody read the script and be like, yeah, this is I definitely want to be a part of this? How did that happen? How are you asking me? I, mean, I have no answer. I don't have an answer for this. It's rhetorical, but I'm just sort of yelling into the void. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, if you're Whoopi Goldberg in 1993, you're just you can do whatever rolling. you want. I mean, she had just won an Oscar for Ghost, right? So she. That's what I mean. You're she an does Oscar not winner. need to do this. So maybe there was something in the script they really loved. I mean, I honestly think and i it's not like i'm some film studies major right if you ask me like what does a director of photography do i'd be like i don't know like you know points the camera in a certain way i don't know right but i do feel like even for my limited film knowledge that this script might have been now, june are you sure you're not a film expert <laughs> <laughs> this script might have been better than the movie that kind of came out at the end of it because i think the direction was crazy yeah that's actually probably true the director so there's a whole sequence that we're not gonna get into because it makes brianna want to squirm but there's a whole sequence where uh tea cake gets instructions from the nurse at the sperm bank and it's all in slow motion and it goes on forever that's obviously like a directorial choice yeah all this stuff with uh, Hal's wacky girlfriend 
that's all a directorial choice. I mean, the words on the page could be the same and you could have a character who was not that out of her mind. <laughs> that's a directorial yeah. thing. No, you're you're right. And yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, and I think I mean, I don't even know what to say about the animal sequences. No, that no. That would have been in the script. I, I yeah, know. that I don't know. I mean, maybe because Whoopi is like, well, I don't. Well, except she did have to be a part of the elephant chase, so I don't know what that. I don't know. If she was. She was like, maybe it was like I'll put up. I with think th- she didn't really have to be there. Be there, right? Like I don't she, know. I think they could have used a stunt woman for a lot of that. But <laughs> they I'm, probably had to. I'm thinking like if I'm Whoopi Goldberg, maybe I'm like I will put up with these like weird animal sequences because I want to tell. Of like a positive mother daughter story, which is like probably it not is that. really sweet. This the it's, relationship between Sarah and Zora is so sweet. And they lovely. have a very sweet really They have like a very sweet and relatable relationship. And I would imagine for like, I mean, I don't want to generalize because I was not that old in 1993, so I can't really speak to like the media landscape totally. But I would imagine that for like black actresses having positive parent mother daughter relationships may have been like in a mainstream in a mainstream comedy you know in a mainstream comedy in a comedy that would have been marketed towards you know white and black and all other people right and then perhaps the other thing was like well maybe maybe there was some more like interesting meditations on like what it means to be a mixed family that got cut out in favor of like ted danson being mauled by a bear i don't know like maybe there it were does some really other feel scenes. Like if, if they had lost ninety percent of the animal stuff, even if they had wanted to keep in like just clips of him on animals, like in those commercials that they kind of watch it at their house, you know, yeah, yeah. If they'd cut out ninety percent of the animal stuff and replaced it with honest conversations about race. <laughs> That's kind of what I was missing. Like, not you know, you you kind of said like this is escapist, and and I can get on board with that, but like. You know, they have this funny, Zora and Sarah have this, like, funny conversation that, like, that you mentioned about how he's like, no, 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 like, I haven't told you the worst part. Like, he's white. He's super duper white. Um, And for her, for Sarah to just be, like, completely won over by this guy, the the owner of an Afrocentric bookstore, I feel like would need, like, there would, she's a cerebral enough person to want to have these conversations uh, like honest conversations about race right and i think they just end up either not getting expressed or being a punchline like with the white ladies in the bookstore who say i'm so sorry like i didn't know what we did to you i wonder if some of this is a reflection of Whoopi goldberg herself which is not to sort of throw shade at Whoopi, but like quasi famously and i don't know if this was while they were dating or just after they had broken up but Ted Danson hosted a roast for Whoopi Goldberg, and he performed in blackface, which she said that she helped him with. I did read and, that, right? And but I'm this is what I'm saying, right? That she was like totally cool with it, and she was like, you know, he, you know, he just loves me, and this is totally fine with me. I, I wonder if Whoopi Goldberg kind of maybe just didn't, I don't know, just didn't want to have a movie that had heavy-handed conversations about race. Maybe. maybe she was just, maybe she was just like I'm not into that. I just want to tell like a like a I just want to be in a comedy, just like a normal comedy where nobody has any real conversations. That's true. I I mean maybe maybe. I mean I guess when I think about it, I guess like Sister Act doesn't really have any honest conversations about race either. 
No, and that's interesting, right? Because that's sort of like a, a failing inner city Catholic school that is very diverse. Yeah, Sister Act 2, yeah. Sister Act 2, right? And but, and there's all this, you know, there's, there's problems with funding. And, you know, maybe a more um, serious Sister Act 2 would have been like, Hey, the Catholic Church has like gazillions of dollars. Like, why? Why is this why inner? Do, yeah. Why is this inner city Catholic school threatened by closure when you know, like the 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 Vatican is like the largest landholder in the world or whatever? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Or, or but it's not that movie. Right. Neither or, is this that movie. Right. Or for Sister Act Two, have it be like you know a younger African American nun is able to connect with oh mm-hmm. with no that's not how it goes students at all. <laughs> right with these students in a way that the older white more traditional nuns are not able to now it is a little bit of that because of choir but it's it's mostly because of singing it's not because of race right they right. don't really it's never like race. they don't know where i come from but you know where we come from and and you right. know solidarity or something right, it's, right, right, it's right, none right. of that it's no. it's it's actually Whoopi goldberg being super hard on those kids yeah <laughs> they you know they think that choir is a bird class you know could they get to fly right through it and then she like is like basically like hitting their knuckles with a ruler <laughs> I love that scene where she talks, she like shames that kid for making fun of that girl for not knowing Mary had a little lamb. Yeah. Oh, wow. What a great movie. <laughs> not the movie we're talking about today, but what a great movie. And I would listen to their rendition of Joyful Joyful every, you know, on a loop. And um, <laughs> uh, Oh, Happy Day. Oh, Happy Day oh, is yes. like when I need to feel uplifted. What happened to that kid? Can we not? Can we not go down this road? But what happened to uh, that kid? You keep talking. I'm going to Google it. You keep <laughs> no, talking. No, about no, 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 no. Stop. You're going to okay. get. You're going to get. You're going to get distracted. Okay. Yeah. So maybe she just like didn't really want to do that. Because I also, I'm also thinking of what's that movie? Bogus. That movie where oh, she. Oh, bogus! I loved that movie. Bogus. When I, was a kid. I did love. I don't think it would hold up if we rewatched it. Probably not. But that is. Yeah, another... she becomes the foster mom to a white kid. It's her. It's her godson. Yes, right. Because right, right. her her white friend dies, and she's yes. a single mom, so she takes right. it. So that could have some also there is Gerard Depardieu, Depardieu, current traitor to all things democratic by t- taking citizenship in Vladimir Putin's Russia. Really? Yes. Ugh, that didn't <laughs> hold up well at all. But I mean, that could have had some conversations about race, but I don't remember any. I mean, I granted, I haven't seen that. I don't think so. I can't think of. No, I'm not like I'm not totally up on the Whoopi filmography here, but like I don't remember her. Oh no, 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 she was in the color purple. Oh yeah. So she obviously can't. But maybe when she does comedies, you know, she she what did she do? Theosaurus Rex or whatever? Like right after this. Theodorus Rex, the thing where she was with a giant dinosaur puppet. Oh maybe, my god, that's right. Yeah, maybe when she does comedy, she just like is not. She just doesn't want to do anything like real in her comedies. Oh, except she does comedy specials for like you know she did um, Comic Relief. Mm. So like that's that's not the same. That's not that's not that's what not, he meant. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so there's no. Uh, critical discussion of race in this entire movie. Yeah. And that's, uh, even though it is nominally a movie about an interracial family, sort of surprise family. Okay. Should we talk about Ted Danson in this movie since that's the reason we watched it? Sure. Let's do it. I thought, um, 
not sure if his character is totally honestly written because he does such a 180 in this movie. Oh, yeah. That happens real fast, guys. Like, he in the start of the movie, he is an irredeemable scumbag. And then by the end of the movie, he is like this proud foster father figure who has renounced his sort of hard drinking, hard living, hard smoking ways and is just proudly up on the stage with his pretend family, just like loving life. Yeah, yeah. So there's a movie that I actually really like, even though it's a Katherine Heigl romantic comedy called uh, Life as We Know It, where... Okay, I've never even heard of this. It. I, I have a point, I swear, I'm getting there. <laughs> Where she and Josh Dumal are basically chosen to be the legal guardians for this baby girl whose parents... So each of the baby girl's parents is best friends with... Like, the mom is best friends with Katherine Heigl. The dad Mm. is best friends with Josh Dumal. And both parents die in a car accident. And It's always a car accident. Well, yeah. And... um, Josh Dumal and Catherine Heigl, who have gone on a date with each other and hate each other, are now legal guardians of this baby girl, right? Is this a drama? No, it's a comedy. Well, it's it's a dramedy, I would say. Okay. And, you know, they actually do... One of the reasons why I like it is because it is about, like, two adults who are not ready for the responsibility of parenthood, like dealing with that in some comedic ways and then also some honest ways. And of course it's a romantic comedy. So eventually they kind of end up together, but there is a, so Josh Dumal is kind of the Ted dancing character. Like he's, he's not a total scumbag, but like he's a little bit of a womanizer and he is like not very nice to her on their date. And he's just kind of a slob and he lives, you know, he's like a bachelor. He lives his own life. He doesn't want to be hemmed in. Right. And he's very type B and she's very type A, blah, blah. Anyway, So there is a point at which he has, you know, helped raise this baby girl and, but you know, he's still kind of bucking against having to be a father and he gets more entwined with Katherine Heigl and they're kind of like starting to have feelings for one another. And then he is sort of scared of, of that and takes a job elsewhere and moves away and has like a, they have a huge blowout before he goes And the movie actually explores, like, what happens when he's away from them, right? So Katherine Heigl is raising this baby girl on her own. She started seeing somebody else. And Josh Dumal, you get to see him dealing with the fact that, like, he has the life that he thought he wanted, but it's missing. Like, you can tell he misses basically his daughter, right? Like, he misses being a dad in a way that he didn't think he was going to. But that takes place over, you know... It's it's the first year of this girl's life almost. So they're maybe, uh, you know, their parents for maybe like five or so months with her. And then he, she, he, she, he's away for another six months or so, right? So, you know, it's, you get to sort of see there's a gradual working up to, I am ready for this responsibility and I do care about this child and I do care about the mother of this child and I do want to be like a part of this kid's life in some way it's a different kind of setup but to me 
the fact that this movie takes place over essentially four days and you get to see we don't know how long it is between the hospital stay and graduation that might have been a much longer no we do though because she says it's my graduation's next week oh my god okay so (laughs) yeah yeah this whole movie takes place over like 10 days Yeah. yeah and it's a surprise that he's there because he's like i have to go to a convention tomorrow or whatever oh yeah he's going to hawaii i think or vegas uh vegas so like you could there wasn't even really i mean you get a couple scenes of him like brooding in the dark and like smoking a cigarette but there's no real and he also doesn't have any characters in his life that he can talk to about this right oh what a good script change that would be if instead of having this ditzy girlfriend who adds nothing nothing to the plot yeah. If he had like an like the way that in when Harry met Sally, Harry has yes. you know his best friend Jesse, Jess. right? Yeah. If if Ted Danson had like a, a BFF who he could kind of talk this stuff over with, that would be such a better movie. Yeah, because I mean, this is this is another romantic comedy that I like. Sleeping with other people. Uh, Jason Manzukis actually plays the best friend in that one, and Jason Sudeikis plays like you know, the kind of cad guy, right? And over the course of the movie, Jason Manzukis like, says to him, you know, they talk about relationships, and Jason Manzukis says to him when he sort of figures out that he has feelings for the female protagonist, like, for the first time in all the years I've known you, I'm not worried that you're going to become, like, that creepy old guy, right? And it's just... Ha! And you can see that they have they have this friendship... But that they talk about this stuff and it's a it's another perspective on some of this stuff. Because Ted Danson doesn't have, yeah, like I said, anybody to talk to who right, could so, be like, right, so you know, you never thought about having a kid. You never thought about yes. this. Functionally, in this movie, he has no inner voice. Yes, that's a great way to put it. Sarah has an inner voice because she expresses a lot of her true thoughts and feelings to her daughter. Yes. And uh, Hal has no inner voice because he has nobody to talk to. And it's not, he doesn't even like talk to himself in the mirror or anything. Right. He, it, the only thing we get is just these silent shots of Ted Danson, like contemplating the universe. And like, look, Ted Danson's a good actor. Those are not completely ineffectual shots, but we do need some notion of his thoughts and feelings through this process. Yeah, because it does feel like such a such a quick turnaround and it does you know well by the time that the twin peaks girlfriend breaks up with him he like doesn't even care it's not it's not like it's not like he's conflicted about that i mean and you could tell like it's like the you've got mail breakup it is it's the you've got mail breakup except like way, way more bizarre but yeah, it is that sort of thing. But even in You've Got Mail, Tom Hanks has his father. Meg Ryan has all those weirdos who work at the bookstore with her. You know, they have other people with whom they can kind of talk about, hey, I'm going through this thing and it's a thing I didn't anticipate and I need to process it with someone. It's a very regular human thing. And Ted Danson's character... It's a very, it's, it's a, it's a basically required in most rom-com scripts. Right. And Ted Danson's character has Yeah, he basically no one. becomes inscrutable. Yeah. And it all kind of rides on Ted Danson's acting ability, which is good. Like the closest so. thing he has is the world's most inappropriate doctor who when he's taking Ted Danson's blood vial sample, whatever, 
says to him, like, did you see that hottie who came in here right before you? Like, she's super hot. Let me talk about her complexion and her butt to this, like, random guy who, like, and and then Ted Dance is like, oh, that's my daughter. And instead of being like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I am a terrible human being. This guy goes, <laughs> yeah, she has a really rare blood type. As if that's, like, another thing that we get. <laughs> weird and that but that's the only time you hear ted dancing out loud being like you know she's really smart and she's getting a you know like she's really good at science yeah yeah, Mm -hmm. she's getting a she just won an award and i'm so proud of her it almost almost feels like jared mcguire right where the that tom cruise sort of falls in love with the idea of fatherhood and being a father to this amazing kid more than he falls in love with the parent of the kid and jerry mcguire has cuba gooding jr I'm sorry. Like, oh, oh, I must be like sounding board. Are you saying that's an integrational friendship, and therefore, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm so confused there for a minute. I mean, it is. It is. I love that movie. But he has. They have each other to be the sounding board, and he, you know, and look. There's also another point of contention here where she says, "Look, if you were a parent, I could, you know, Sarah." When she's saying, "I can't." Uh, see you anymore because it's upset my daughter and if you were a parent then this would be easier for me to explain you know in jerry Maguire, when they have a whole conversation he and cuba jr have a whole conversation about what do you know about dating a single mother i know plenty i know plenty i was raised by a single mother you know they've been to the puppet show and they've seen the strings i love that movie and i can recite the whole thing and i won't do it but that's even that is like well there's the racial element there's the this might be my kid element but there's also like you're a mother and I, you know, he, he, he goes very quickly into yeah, saying, it, it felt very much to me like the end when he's like, I, I, I'm your dad. Like, and this is my dad. Like that. If I were Sarah, I'd be like, no, excuse me. In this moment of triumph well, where that's... my daughter gets this incredibly prestigious award. Like I'm not sharing the stage with this Yahoo. We didn't know two weeks ago. Well, and that's sort of my thing. Like, so that's why, like, after the they go to the sushi restaurant and he's like, hey, you know, like, we do have a kid together and blah, blah, blah. Or like, we did have a kid. And she goes, no, no, no. I had a kid. I was like, look, I'm with her on that. And that's kind of why I was sort of surprised that she was so willing to, you know, get with him because he steps very cavalierly into this role of like, well, that's my daughter. It's like, look, you know. I know families come in all shapes and sizes and everything like that. But the the thing that I hear the most often is like the parent, the role of parent is the role of like whoever is there for you. Like whoever is the one, like if I'm Sarah, I'm like, this is, I'm her mother because first of all, I birthed her, but also because I was there, I changed her diapers and I helped her with her homework and I made sure that she like eats well and I, I'm I'm waiting up for her when she has a bad date and I'm like, you know, doing all these things. And like, if you're, don't call yourself her father if you, up until two weeks ago, didn't know she existed. And then when you met her, you were like, well, this is BS. Like, I'm not, I can't be your dad. Like, you know, it just, it felt very, like everyone came to the resolution of like, yes, we're a happy family after like a full on week. And I don't think that that's... <laughs> I agree. It's not realistic. It's escapism. Sure. And since we are, we're running a little long and we have some other things to get to. So let's put Made in America in a drawer and say, goodbye, Made in America. You are available on Netflix anytime you need to forget about the real world and go back to 1993, the boom years. The boom years for... At different times. uh, 
25 years ago, it was a different time. Yes, indeed. So let's talk really quick first about what Mike Shore has said about the season two finale. Guys, this is going to blow your mind if you haven't heard this already. Yes. So as you know, we had a whole debate over whether the season two finale was the simulation that the uh, cockroaches had been dropped into or whether they had actually rewound time and stopped these people from dying. And I certainly came down on the side of simulation. I don't remember if you were as sort of decided as I was. I didn't even really know that simulation was an option until we talked, and that blew my mind. Mike sure has definitively said that it is not a simulation, that they have rewound time, they have undone the deaths of these people, and therefore, I mean, butterfly effect, y'all. And thereby causing unbelievable second order effects that one can only imagine. Maybe that's sort of the I point, don't know. We like, don't know. We're going to get what I'm trying to I'm gonna find what he said about it. And this brings me back to the main thing that I was like weirdly worried about when I thought it could be real, which is that like Cheney and Eleanor might like get together and have a family or something, you know? And then and then what? You can't re-rewind time so they end up dead and then erase these children from existence. That's just grotesque. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. So he says, it's not a simulation, noting that they're, quote, straight up back on Earth in a new timeline where they didn't die. That uh, that was implied by the show, but sure thought it would be a good idea to just, quote, flatly state that the second season ended in an actual alternate reality and not just another fake world. There was some more, too, right? Yeah, Michael gets the idea. Jen immediately understands what he's hinting at and is reticent to do it because it means changing the timeline on Earth. He Um, also says they're going to go into stuff about how time moves in the afterlife versus how it moves on Earth. Yeah. Which is something we've been very curious about. Yeah. Yeah. He says, a lot of the progress they have made as people has been sort of theoretical because it's all come after they've understood that they are dead and in the afterlife. It seems like a natural move to send them back to a time before they made that progress and to use the idea of nearly dying to test their ability to improve. Uh, Especially because now that Michael has watched them improve over and over, he has started to wonder whether or not there is something fundamentally wrong with the way humans are judged. Right. I mean, we're getting down to like the real heart of it, aren't we? I mean, this is going to be amazing. And and I think he says something about how when he thought up the idea of the good place, the bad place, and the sort of um, saber metrics for the afterlife, that he kind of realized, like, oh, this would be terrible. It's a terrible (laughs) system. So they're really going to get into it. This is, which is great. Okay. Yeah. We have a few emails to talk about. Uh, We have, and, and, and a tweet. So in a tweet, I think it was Ian who said... Uh, that the reason that Megan Amram is able to get so many celebrities probably for her videos is that Mike Schur is married to Regis Philbin's daughter. Yeah. So like, they're kind of like Hollywood royalty. And so they kind of just know everybody. So I I buy that. Trifton sent us an email to point out that what I said about um, when you're like a karate master, you have to register your appendages as deadly weapons is kind of a urban legend. <laughs> it's like... Tr- it happens. In, doesn't it happen in Con Air? I don't... I've never seen Con Air. He said, it, he said it's okay. true in Guam and really nowhere else. <laughs> well, so... What's happening I in don't Guam? know, but I guess I apologize for spreading misinformation. <laughs> <laughs> And finally, we had a really, really sweet fan letter from a guy Yay, named Mitch. Thank you. Um, 
I will not give out your last name. I won't give out the last name of anybody who appears on this podcast, myself included. And so what he, it was a, it was a long letter, but but what he essentially said was that first of all, he was not amused at all with how much I didn't like Parks and Rec, which I'm sure That's okay, yeah. Mitch. <laughs> yeah, I got your back. I got you your back. You probably feel like he is 100% right. <laughs> Yes. Um, he also said he can't tell our voices apart, which that tracks. <laughs> I that made me laugh. I was like, "Welcome to the club." Like our own mom can barely tell our voices apart. Very true. Yeah, they have caller ID now, so she gets to cheat. But she used to just yeah. pick up the phone and not really know which one of us was it was. Yeah. <laughs> but then he said, "So when you do Brooklyn Nine Nine for the Sherniverse month, can you like make sure that you watch enough of it that you get a sense of it?" So here's the problem with that: we don't have Hulu, <laughs> so. Our ability to watch a bunch of Brooklyn Nine-Nine is going to be somewhat limited. I think what I'm going Mm -hmm. to do, and I hope that you do this as well, I think what I'm going to do is try to get some discs out of the library, and we're going to kind of have to coordinate which discs we get. My library does have a bunch of Brooklyn Nine-Nine on DVD that I can borrow. And I'm sure the Brooklyn library does it, or maybe... It's a. It's called Brooklyn Nine Nine. The Brooklyn Public Library should have yes, it. Yes, exactly. Right? I mean, it's just. It's just totally uh, natural. Yes. So, so, but the problem with that is, like, I, I can't. The number of discs I'm going to be able to get is going to be sort of limited by the how many things I can sort of take out of my library. Yeah. Uh, but I think maybe too. It's. However, you do it, it's just a little bit of like background research on some of the characters. Maybe I don't yeah, know. I'm thinking I'm going to try to get maybe the first disc of the first season, and then maybe kind of jump into maybe the second or third season. Because what people say is that, like Parks and Rec, Brooklyn Nine Nine is a little weaker in its first season, and then it gets stronger. So is the and office. so is the Office. Yeah. yeah, it seems like the Good Place is his only show that escapes yeah, that because it's a different sort of setup, yeah. I guess. He also, Mitch also did say, and this makes me very happy that like he wasn't so stoked on the Star Wars, the new Star Wars franchise. Oh yeah, wasn't that nice? But after listening to us talk about how much we loved Episode Eight, he went and he watched it, and he was very glad. We're he influencers. Did. And I just, that's what I mean. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, I'm not just like talking into a void at, or like yelling at people about how they're wrong. Like so, you know, someone, my and your enthusiasm for something made it traveled over the proverbial airwaves. I'm making a wave motion with my hand. You can't see me. Mm. And uh, it went into somebody's ear, and they said, "I'm gonna go buy a ticket to see that so, that Star Wars movie. <laughs> go see a Star Wars. I'm gonna go see contributing a Star to War. the 1.3 billion dollar gross. That is that makes me so happy because your last Star Wars like should not be the prequels. Oh guys. no, heavens no. Uh, so." Yay, and thank you so much for writing. And please write to us again if you if you all feel of you like should it. write to us. Uh, the good play pod at gmail.com. I will I all will write, write back something. I promise. I wrote back yes. something substantive and, to Mitch. Yes. And you know, write us and tell us how you feel about Ted Danson and Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> Those lovebirds. Yeah, that's a the nineties were you know the the as they say, the past is another country. And you and I actually were citizens of that country, and it still, it still feels like a completely foreign land. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so we're going to see a little bit of a foreign land when uh, the good place starts back up. But, but what do we have on the agenda? Next? I have no idea. 
cool. We might have to do Curb Your Enthusiasm because I'm kind of out of Ted Danson projects that are streaming. I mean, no, regardless of the fact that Ted Danson was this very prolific actor, much of what he did is just not available in streaming format. Because of the era or because of the budget or whatever. It just has not been like digitized or whatever, or it's not available streaming. So we're we're slightly out of options. I think we're going to have to do, you know, he's obviously not the starring member of Curb Your Enthusiasm, but uh, I think it's pretty much the only thing we have left. I'm going to double check, but I, I think we've reached that point where we kind of have to do Curb, <laughs> which I'm not against. I've heard good things about Curb, but... We're going to have to watch yeah. the episodes he's in, which is probably going to leave us very confused about the rest of the show. Yeah, sorry, Mitch. <laughs> we're going to be like, who are all these people? Such is life. I mean, I know it's like Larry David being a curmudgeon. I guess that's sufficient information. Oh, he was on CSI. I wonder if we can I'm find not, CSI somewhere. CSI. You wouldn't watch two episodes of CSI if Ted Danson was in it? <laughs> Damages? What is that? It's like a legal. Okay, drama. we'll we'll discuss this offline, and we won't torture the listeners with this. Okay. Pontiac Moon, uh, no. anybody? Oh no, Pontiac Moon! That's the last. No, no. If that was the last DVD on Earth, and I there was no streaming left. I would not watch it. I might watch it with commentary on. That might be interesting. Until next time, stop ringing that bell. We'll see you next time, Ding Dongs. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. 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 Oh, hold on a second. Okay. Uh, you're going to hear this when you come back. Uh, why? Why are we doing this? Whoopi Goldberg, why? Sorry about that. Yeah. It's okay. Okay. Um,